Grace and peace to you, Bloom, and welcome to our Guided Liturgy podcast. This week we are beginning a new series or focus in our gatherings and here on the podcast called The Examine. The Examine is an ancient practice of self-reflection and meditation that's been passed down throughout church history that helps us find space for the spiritual disciplines and practices of silence and gratitude, review, forgiveness, and renewal. We'll be guiding you through some meditation on those practices here in the podcast, as well as in our live gatherings over the next several weeks. We'll also be discussing our six commitments at Bloom, beginning today with our commitment to worship. If you'd like more information about the examine or our commitments, you can go to bloom.church slash examine. That's bloom.church slash E-X-A-M-E-N where you can download a PDF of our commitments booklet uh, we put together, as well as a PDF of a sort of pocket guide to the examine and how to engage with it on your own. We hope this will be a good resource for you as we move forward into the fall and that it would be a good way for us as a community just to slow down and to allow the Spirit to continue to work in us and through us and among us personally and corporately as a church body. So let's begin now with the examine. Silence. May we open ourselves to God's presence, God's love, God's peace, and God's grace. Gratitude. Let us be aware of all that God is to us and be thankful for this life and all that it holds. Review. Let us honestly assess who we have been this week and who we would hope to be. Forgiveness. May we seek forgiveness in the ways in which we have erred, been unaware and uninvolved in the work of beauty and restoration in our world. Renewal. Let us look towards the future, along with the Spirit, to where God may be directing us. It may be a concrete action, changing the rhythms of our life, or walking away from certain behaviors and beliefs. Desert that we walk in 
soon shall prove Shall rejoice in every corner In all that's waiting still to be renewed Shall wait for God no longer So say to tired hearts be strong don't fear our God will come to save us Though sovereign over all the universe In our waiting still you see us Remind us that our sufferings can compare To the glory you've prepared And soil hidden still are growing up to break through. Just 
just a glimpse of you is enough to change us. Open our ears that we can hear your voice in the song you're singing over us. Bloom, let's join together now with the church worldwide and say the prayer of the day. Grant us, Lord, not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. And even now, while we are placed among things that are passing away, to hold fast to those that shall endure. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Let us read Psalm 145 together. I will exalt you, O God, my King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. There is no end to his greatness. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your power. I will ponder the glorious splendor of your majesty and all your marvelous works. They shall speak of the might of your wondrous acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall publish the remembrance of your great goodness. They shall sing of your righteous deeds. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great kindness. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Hear a reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. In the catechism, the question says, what is worship? And the answer is, in corporate worship, we unite ourselves with others to acknowledge the holiness of God, to hear God's word, to offer prayer, and to celebrate the sacraments. In the Oxford Dictionary, the definition for worship is the practice of showing respect for God or a God by saying prayer, singing with others, etc. Ceremony for this. So when we talk about worship as one of our commitments here, as the, the first of our commitments here, what are we committing to? What are we as a body called into? I think in the U.S. evangelical church, when we talk about worship, it usually means like this set of songs before the sermon. But in the catechism, and even in this definition from the Oxford Dictionary, you see that worship is this multifaceted experience of the people uh, that contains within it several practices. That is a rhythm for worship, and within all of it, what's happening is what Paul is talking about in his letter 
to the church in Rome, that we're bringing the fullness of who we are into the presence of God. If we go back to our values at Bloom, the first value that we have is beauty, that we believe that God is beautiful. And every inclination we have towards beauty is an inclination, in fact, towards God. And so we come together with that placed in our hearts, with that existing within us as we are, to be drawn towards the beautiful one, to be drawn towards the one who holds all life, all beauty, who makes our lives beautiful. And so worship at its core is a supernatural act because we're opening ourselves up to a being that we cannot fully understand, that we cannot fully grasp, but that is so, so present with us that as the scriptures say, holds all creation within his hand, holds our lives, holds our fears, our pain, our hope, our very being. It's in that act of opening ourselves to God as best we can, bringing the fullness of who we are into the presence of God as a gathered people filled by the spirit of God, called out by God, that we engage in the spiritual practice of worship. So worship in itself can be as simple as taking a moment in the midst of our day or in the midst of creation to open ourselves up to the beautiful one, to give as best we can all that we are and all that we hold, all that we hope to be to the hands of the one who holds us. And also when we talk about worship in the church, we talk about the rhythm that we engage in as a community that draws us into a place of openness, of communion with God. At Bloom, we've adopted the historic practices of the church, the liturgy of the church, which guides us through spaces of repentance, of meditating on scripture together, of confession, of prayer for the world and for the church, and all that Christ is wanting to do through his body, the church and the world. We sing together with one voice, with a common breath, as we join in the songs of the church. We extend the peace of Christ to each other, that peace that we have been given by the Holy Spirit. And we come to the table, to the Eucharistic meal, and we join in that great mystery of Christ among us, present with us, at the table with us, and sending us out into the world to be what we, to be the grace and the peace, and the kindness, the compassion, the healing presence of Christ into every place from which we came. For us, that is our act of worship here at Bloom. And that liturgy and that rhythm, the Spirit uses those things to shape us, to draw us into ever deeper places with Christ and to honesty with ourselves. And it has this way of, of kind of working its way into our bones, into the rhythms that make up our very life. That not just when we gather around the table on Sundays, but the hope is that in every moment of our lives, we are people that pray, that confess, that extend the peace of Christ, that are open to the presence of Christ in all things, a sacramental mystery, and that in all of it, we open ourselves every moment of every day to the one who holds us, who made us, who draws us evermore into the reality 
of beauty and the knowledge of the beautiful one. Paul's words really are deep and they're an expansive invitation to bring the fullness of who we are into the presence of the one who knows us, who holds all things, who loves us with an unending love. It's worship. It's beautiful and mysterious and familiar and inviting all at the same time. And it is deeply spiritual, supernatural. It's the work of the Spirit among us. I think this whole concept of worship is so deeply connected to our value of beauty because that is what worship is, right? It's, it's almost like connecting the human heart to the divine in some way. And we do it corporately through our liturgy. We do it um, individually through just how we interact with God, mm-hmm. how we speak to God, and how we hear God. I've been reading a book by John O'Donoghue. He's an Irish um, poet and mystic, and he writes a lot about Celtic spirituality. And um, in his book about beauty, he says, The human soul is hungry for beauty. We seek it everywhere in landscape, music, art. Clothes, furniture, gardening, companionship, love, religion, and in ourselves. He says, when we experience the beautiful, there's a sense of homecoming. Some of our most wonderful memories are of beautiful places where we felt immediately at home. We feel most alive in the presence of the beautiful, for it meets the needs of our soul. Hmm. I just, I love that. For me, that's like, that is worship. Like that, that is the, the experience of worship is a homecoming, you know, feeling at home in beautiful places. Because if beauty comes from God, if God is beauty, that's where we find home. That's where we find rest. That's where we find peace. And that's where we, hopefully, that's where our community resides, is in that beauty. Yeah, I love that. It's so deeply descriptive of who we are and what constitutes that part of us that is longing for beauty. And it's so expansive at the same time, Mm -hmm. which is sort of a a paradox for me because when I, when I came back to church and was reintroduced to all these practices to the liturgy, you know, at first it would seem that, you know, the same practices, the same rhythm week after week would be like, would limit that freedom to, discover beauty to express ourselves back to God to to be deeply honest about those places in us mm-hmm. and, and invite the fullness of the beautiful one into every part of our being and, and so like you have this that feels so expansive to me mm-hmm. and so just you know wild even and and then to throw these practices on it this you know first I, when I came back into that was like that's gonna so limit my experience of God and I I don't know what what y'all's experience with the liturgy is but for me it's been the exact opposite Mm -hmm. it's been week after week with these prayers with this rhythm it's like it just keeps drawing me deeper into that place of of being open to God of experiencing the beauty of God and 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 um, expressing that back and so many times it's, I find myself just like unable to pray these prayers. I'm so overcome with the honesty of them and, and the, the beauty of, of these prayers that have been prayed for hundreds and hundreds of years. I just get 
to kind of play my part mm-hmm. um, in my little life and join with the song of the church and the prayer of the church. But um, I, I didn't expect it for the rhythms of worship to be so freeing and even to promote a greater freedom, I think, than I would have had and a greater level of expression of, and a greater level of expression than I would have had without them. I remember walking into Bloom the first time that we visited and there were so many different facets to the quote-unquote worship experience Mm -hmm. where you have just your aesthetics, right? With, With just dim lights and soft lighting and whatever. But you also... Um, we're sitting in the round and you had the liturgy mm-hmm. and I just, I think all of those pieces, I just remember this, what kind of what you're saying, David, this feeling of something deep and beautiful is happening here that mm-hmm. is being shared. And I, how do I get to be a part of it? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was easy easy to join in as far as with the liturgy, right? It was there. And I could, I could join in saying that with this group. Um, obviously there's something about shared relationship that even adds to a worship experience, but I too, I, I have had a lot of different experiences in the past. I've been, you know, grew up in a charismatic church and then went to a more conservative Mennonite Brethren Church. And and so there's all these different ways to experience that. Um, And I think my first instinct, too, would have been, yeah, it has to be limiting and feel very scripted and robotic, and Mm -hmm. we're just going through the motions. But it was very much the opposite. It was something really beautiful, um, very intentional. The order, the prayers, Mm -hmm. the confession... The, I mean, mm-hmm. just walking you through um, those important pieces done in community as we sat in the round and so um, Christ-focused that it just, it was super impactful. For, and it was like, this, something, is, something is being experienced here that, um, that I just didn't want to miss out on. And I didn't know anybody here. Um, but I just remember thinking, if, even if I don't get to know people, this is there's something here that I want to keep being exposed to. Mm-hmm. I think my experience with worship and liturgy, uh, I don't know, I, I have loved liturgy since I ran into it. And there's something really, un, I've been trying to figure out how, how I would say this, un- proud or unboasting about it. Um, It takes a human element that's really difficult for me in worship out. Mm -hmm. I I, I just love that there's no pressure for me to come up with a clever prayer that everyone agrees with and thinks I'm more clever for. Like, Mm -hmm. I love that the pressure is gone. And there is just something very romantic to me about the fact that I know even more than just the people in the room are saying the same things. Like there's just like a power piece, um, a, like a community piece. Um, 
And yeah, I, I would say there's been a lot of worship I have not liked because it's been so centered on whoever is speaking or singing. I'm not talking even just worship leaders. Like we would do like special music a lot at my church. <laughs> um, or, um, you know, you were the holiest if you got a prophecy or something during the service. And so there's something quiet about liturgy mm-hmm. and there's something ancient about liturgy that just takes that, I don't know, arrogance out for me. And so my experience has actually been, uh, um, my anxiety around worship drops. Um, there's a quiet and there's a, a deep peace that comes on me when we do liturgy stuff. And I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, I think that's been my experience with liturgy for sure. Mm-hmm. We like to say around here that it like takes the ego out yeah, of yeah. the service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it, it's not one person, you know, saying all the right things or <laughs> praying all the right things. It's like, oh, this is actually really well thought through yeah. and compiled together for specific seasons and specific scripture passages. And like it all ties together somehow. And even if it doesn't, seem like it's supposed to it always does Does, somehow it it always blows my mind i agree i agree even the ninth time you've heard it yeah i'm like wow that was um something that was intentional for sure because we're in this uh post-evangelical perhaps post-christian city Mm -hmm. and uh i mean the, the level of distrust for religious leaders is so high, it's yeah. so felt. And for the people that, that we felt would be coming through our doors, that's something we had to hold, mm-hmm. is that there wasn't this built-in trust of preachers or you know, musicians in the church or any sort of religious leadership. It was just, how can we give credibility back to this sacred act? And how can we really allow the spirit to lead our worship. And that's what's so, um, you know, we've said this before and, and, and we've had different churches along the way kind of ask us about liturgy and that whole journey that we've been on. And, and um, we are liturgical because we're first charismatic. There's this, this desire for the spirit of God to lead us, which means that we have to get past being led by a personality or an ego. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you let the prayers of the church that's been prayed by the church for hundreds of years, uh, the Spirit has breathed on those prayers. When you let that be your guide, then you're creating space for the Spirit to move. And that's what's so beautiful about it is, yes, there's a rhythm and yes, there's a liturgy, but there's so many times in our service that it's just, we're just waiting on the Spirit and we follow the Spirit. And, um, and that shapes our worship as well. But I love what you said, Dulce, about that. Um, we don't need another ego mm-hmm. in, in the U.S. church, at least. We most certainly don't need another personality. Everyone is molded into the likeness of that personality. Mm-hmm. We deeply need the spirit and those who have gone before us t- to guide us. 
there is something also really comforting about the seasons in the liturgy. It's like putting on comfortable clothes or, um, for me, the season of Advent um, is actually the hardest season for me. And I think that it's probably because I have seasonal affect disorder for real, but there's something about the liturgy understanding that, and mm-hmm. it just follows that, like, mm-hmm. we are longing for light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. it, there's something like, I even look forward to that time, even though I don't personally like that time because it's comfortable and it's familiar. That is also causes me to relax and worship more around it. Yeah, we've talked about our little expression and, and our liturgy here, but I think just to to pull it back to, to worship, is it is it all of that is just it's submission to to the moving of the spirit in the church throughout the ages. I mean the seasons it forces us to embrace a more rich expression of faith. And what I mean by that is, you know, I've um, probably on this podcast, actually, I've said my favorite service of the year is Maundy Thursday. And I love Maundy Thursday because it's just, we're all together and it's this whole celebration of the, of the family of faith and the institution of the Lord's Supper. And um, it's this really warm service. And, and if, if you ask me, I would just, every day is Monday, Thursday. And um, it's that submission to the rhythms of the church, to the way the Spirit has moved in believers for hundreds and hundreds of years that, that forces me to, to move from Monday, Thursday to Easter to Advent, which I do not enjoy. But I'm always so moved by it. Mm-hmm. And, and there's things accomplished in me on a deep level through Advent that I wouldn't have chosen myself. And I most assuredly wouldn't go into Lent. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's that every Ash Wednesday, you know, the church calls us to sit in the reality of our mortality. And that's just not something you wake up every day and say like, hey, on Sunday, we should all think about and sit in the fact that we are going to die. Mm-hmm. But it's deeply, deeply needed and formative. Mm-hmm. And I think on the micro level, every Sunday, it's the church saying, when you gather, remember to pray. Mm-hmm. And when you pray, remember to pray for the poor, mm-hmm. for the sick, for the lost, for the broken. Remember to meditate on God's holy word. Remember to extend the peace that has been extended to you mm-hmm. by Christ to others. Remember to come to the table and remember to make room at the table for every person. Mm-hmm. It's that submission that how the spirit has moved in the hearts of people. And that's what makes us have a more robust, more responsive, more rich faith. You know, Mm -hmm. just one more comment on that is that it unites us to the church throughout the earth, Mm -hmm. especially in the time that we've been through this summer, remembering that this world and these systems are not just that we come to this table every Sunday that's shared with the church throughout time and throughout space and the poorest of the earth come to that table along 
with those who have more than enough. And just that knowledge that we join together every Sunday and we pray that prayer of the day every Sunday with the entire church. That to me is, it really is meaningful. Mm -hmm. Lest we just get lost in our own little expression Mm -hmm. of what a Denver Christian looks like. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're drawn into the story of the church throughout the ages and throughout geography. And that's beautiful. There's nothing like it. On the face of the earth, there's nothing like it. Yeah, I'd say that that's something that has probably shifted in me more than most things regarding my faith. And that's that worship, like corporate worship, being together as a community, singing together, praying together, confessing together, that it's about being a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. While I do think worship can be individual and internal and like that, it can kind of shape our relationship with God. It also shapes kind of our relationship with each other mm-hmm. because we're coming together with one accord, with one regard, much like the early church did when they were waiting on the spirit. We come together for this one thing to experience God, to know God better and to hear the voice of the Spirit together. And that's something that's so beautiful that I just missed for a long time, Mm -hmm. and I still miss it a lot of the time. (laughs) And you see a trend in in worship music, putting so much of the focus on ourselves Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and our own experience, our own humanity, while that's not necessarily a bad thing, if we do that only and completely miss mm-hmm. the communal aspect of worship, then we're missing so much more than, than we should be. <laughs> yeah. The human tendency is to make it about me. Mm-hmm. And when I think about worship, there's then that tension because my most... My bend is to make it about me, and yet um, I feel like that's the piece that liturgy steps in and helps mm-hmm. refocus and reset mm-hmm. my mind. And, and it's this, this reminder of, yes, who we are, but who God is and what we're being called to mm-hmm. and setting that focus straight and then to do it in community feels like this kind of accountability piece. Mm-hmm. Like we're committing to this together. Yeah. We're saying this out loud in front of each yeah. other. Um, and that just seems really important. Yeah. We're confessing together. Confessing together, yeah. I still think that is one of the graces that the church can give us is invitation to confess. Absolutely. I mean, that's the part that when I, when I came back to the church, um, my, my friend and I walked uh, back into the Episcopal church and that was the time and we called it St. Emo because every Sunday <laughs> that confession came around and I had so much to confess. Mm. I mean, it had been a long time since I've been in church and I just, the, just the kindness of that, mm-hmm. yeah. that you're invited into that space with, in community to confess that which you have done and left undone. Mm-hmm. It just draws something so 
It just evens everything out. Yeah. Mm. Like no one gets out of that prayer. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. And what's so funny and beautiful and <laughs> is that I stand in the back of Bloom. Well, there really isn't a back, but I stand outside the <laughs> circle a lot of times. And I watch people who've, who've come for the first time. They haven't heard a sermon about prayer. They haven't heard a sermon about confession. They're all of a sudden just doing it. Mm-hmm. Like they're praying for the poor. They're praying for Christ to be made manifest through our actions and our lives. And they're confessing. I mean, there is no like, it's just, it throws you into it, which is, I think, so deeply hospitable and invitational that anyone can come and be and have a place mm-hmm. at the table. And you're, and you're drawn into this reality of worship when you gather as the people of God. Remember to pray. Remember to meditate on scripture. Remember to confess. These things, people are brought into that. And there is no like qualification for that except being open. Mm-hmm. And I love watching the spirit just kind of move and mess with people as they're thrown into these practices that they probably didn't plan on mm-hmm. engaging. Mm-hmm. I was standing in a uh, village in Peru, the most wrecked place I've ever stood in my life. And the church was basically just a a crumbling wall. And in front of the wall was um, a table. And I watched as as people started to gather and people started to come for worship in a totally different setting than, than I'm used to. I watched as the priest, she took out of this bag this, this brilliant white cloth and she laid it on the table. It was just snow white. And she took out the chalice and the patent for the communion. And it was beautiful. It was the most beautifully set table I've ever seen in my life. I will never forget it. And we engaged in the liturgy, the same liturgy that we engage in every Sunday. And it wasn't in English, but I knew when to confess. Mm -hmm. I knew when we were praying the prayer along with the church worldwide. I knew when we were meditating on scripture. I knew when we were praying for the world because I've been a part of it when we said together the creed. Now I was saying it in, in a different language, but it didn't matter. And that sacramental mystery, when we bring the fullness of ourselves to Christ, that we receive the fullness of Christ, was so tangible that day. Mm-hmm. And it brings us back really to, to what Paul is saying to the Romans, that worship at its core is bringing the fullness of who you are, your body, your soul, your spirit, your mind, fully to Christ, and that we are given the fullness of the beautiful one. We're drawn into the fullness of beauty. And so it is about liturgy and about practices and about when you worship, remember, but it's so much bigger than that. It's all informed by the experience of the people of God throughout time as they've been led by the Spirit into the presence of Christ bring the fullness of who they are. I went to a church before I came to Bloom, and it was a predominantly black church. And if you would like a different version of how to worship, go to another culture, go to a a place where they do worship in a different way. And um, at this church, sometimes people would walk and do loops around the aisles. 
And I didn't grow up with that. So it was a little bit new for me, but I thought I'm here for this, you know, I'm ready. The other thing is that songs would last 15, 20 minutes, one song. Um, and we would always start the church service with at least an hour of worship singing. And everyone knew this. And one day I saw a woman who I had become friends with and I knew her story and I'm not going to share her story. But what I can tell you is that when she started dancing or when she started coming out the aisle during the worship song, um, she was shuffling and her body was stooped low. And she did this thing where she like lifted one shoulder and then would just flick with her hand. And then she'd do the other shoulder, she'd raise it and she'd flick it. And she started doing these loops around the church. And each time she did a loop, um, she was lighter. She started picking up her feet. She started standing upright. And by the end of the song, People had joined her in dancing and celebrating and shaking off what the world had tried to crush her with. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, I'm like um, a mess. I'm like sobbing. Um, but that's what I think of when I think of like God asks for every part of who we are. Like, mm -hmm. Because I think the other thing was that she wasn't ashamed to put in front of her community that it was hard, like that things were hard and that she was going to walk around in circles and trust that God was going to lift these heavy things off of her. And then people joined her and there was full dancing at the end of that. I, the lesson I learned, <laughs> I think is some to tie it back to what you were saying, Seth, is that I had made worship this private thing, this individual experience. And I just saw worship done in every it was done with her mind and her soul and her body and her community. Like they all came around her and danced with her and everybody was singing. I mean, God meets us exactly where we're at in worship, especially when we come, whether it's to liturgy or a song, especially when we come like as in our most honest form <laughs> with no pretense that, you know, we're wearing our Sunday best. She had actually just come from work. So she was wearing like, Everyone was dressed to the nines, but she had like jeans and a t-shirt on because she had just come from work. And there was something even more beautiful about that. that. That's how she chose to worship was in exactly who she was in that moment. Um, so that's what I always think of when I hear that passage. Like it's every mm -hmm. part of us, it's even like the tired parts of us. Yeah. The most beautiful expressions of the human experience, they occur within worship. So Bloom, may our heart always be open to the beautiful one, to Christ in us, among us, through us, calling us every moment of our lives into life, into worship. Gathering our prayers and our praises into one, let us pray as Christ our Savior has taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Oh,
bloom. May God, who gives patience and encouragement, give you a spirit of unity to live in harmony as you follow Jesus Christ, so that with one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among you and remain in you always. Go in peace to love and to serve Jesus. Jesus.